Thank you for tuning your hearts in for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, along with my co-hosts, Anne Sari and Conchetta Antonelli. We share our own personal experiences, tips, and strategies, along with powerful stories and compelling insights from guest interviews. We're here to inspire and empower your conscious evolution, help you tap into your inner wisdom and rise to your heart-centered higher self. Together, we can rise to a higher level of consciousness, an elevated state of being, and experience more love, joy, and freedom. Well, hello again, heart-centered soul, and welcome back to the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, and I'm delighted to be back again. I have another fascinating guest on the show. His name is Indra Rensler. Indra is a lifetime spiritual seeker. He's a healer, teacher, and offers life readings for clients. Astrology and the Enneagram of Personality are the main modalities that he shares. He's been studying astrology and spirituality for 50 years. He first learned of the Enneagram of Personality in 1999. He uses these two modalities individually and in combination. His focus is to help clients to awake to who they really are. He works to help people to live beyond their conditioned stories and to live more in the moment. Indra, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Carol. Thanks for having me. It's beautiful to have you here. I have a couple of questions for you before we get started. The first one is, how is your heart today? Well, my heart is good today. It's a sunny day, and one of my kids and one of my grandkids are coming today. It's a beautiful day again here in paradise. Oh, beautiful. Well, I'll share my heart. My heart is peaceful and inspired and uplifted. Part of that is just having you on the show today and peaceful really relates to just taking some time to ground myself this morning. The other question I wanted to ask you, and this really kind of relates to some of the work that you do that helps people really connect to who they really are. And my question is, who are you? Well, that's the question of a lifetime. I believe I'm essence and I'm here to drop the I. And to drop the question, because where we come from, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter there, and it barely matters here. What does matter is that when we get stuck in our pains and our suffering, then we look for a solution. And the solution is to rise above it to the essence that we are, rather than the, the small I that we think we are. That's a great response. I think so many of us are just so far removed from the spiritual essence of who we are. I mean, it's right there with us, but each and every day we have a tendency to be focused on so much of the external world that the ego and the mind and the I is constantly front and center. So I want to thank you for sharing that because that truly is what we are. I love the fact, you know, who doesn't really matter, <laughs> you know, it is that essence and we're all connected. We're all one. 
I know that you have had a very rich life. You have traveled the world. There are so many things that you have done over the course of your life. You've gone through your own self-discovery, healing, personal growth, spiritual growth. I'd love for you to share some of your earliest moments in life that have really kind of led you on this windy spiritual path over so many years that has taught you so much and also what has led you to what you're bringing to the world today. Yeah, well, I think that search is still going on. It's still every day, every moment. I've come to the point of realizing it doesn't ever end, or at least I should say I've accepted that it may never end and that's okay. I don't need it to end because I'm happy to accept whatever is, whatever comes or doesn't come. If I hold on to a position, then I feel pain and I'm not really into doing that. So earliest experiences, I remember being about 16 or 17 and realizing that you can't take a vacation from yourself. And I had the experience that in my early 20s, my parents both died two years apart from natural causes, and it ended up giving me a lot of freedom. I think that was part of their gift. It wasn't that I wished for it or that I was looking for it, but uh, the reality of it was is that, that I didn't have to, you know, what little ties I had to being the good little boy, I didn't have that anymore. And so I could explore the new worlds that I found as I had was moving to California at that time. I moved to California a month, less than a month after my father passed away unexpectedly. In California, I experienced new things, you know, natural food stores and uh, natural ways of being and spirituality that I had never really thought about or knew about before that. It was very new. And I found myself in metaphysical bookstores, able to buy the classics of, the, of this particular subject, subject matters. And I started reading about astrology and I started reading about the spiritual path and I started reading the ancient masters. And, uh, you know, I bought, I bought books for two, three, four, five dollars that are now hundreds of dollars. You know, you'd buy the first edition or whatever. It was nothing back then, but now it's like, classics and i read them and each year i just went deeper and deeper into it it being the exploration of myself and the dissolution of my connection to the physical plane world that i'm in it in it but not of it mm, i love that term i use that a lot i'm in the world but not of it i heard that maybe 40 45 years ago i read it somewhere myself many years ago as well, maybe one of the same books that we've both read. And sometimes the, the first edition is the best edition. You know, sometimes they think the, the later editions are new and improved, but they, they really aren't. They really are oftentimes the best edition. But anyway, uh, let, let go on from there. What are some of the experiences in your life that were really some defining moments, turning points in your life that really kind of led you down this path. It's, obviously, it's, it's been a path of unfoldment. And your parents passing was obviously a major turning point as well. Can you share a little bit more about that and why it took you on this path? Well, the why I, I can't answer. The why would be 
Why not? The why would be is, is that when you are released from the conditioning that makes you try to live for other people's ideals, mm-hmm. when that disappears, then you have the opportunity to live to your own heart. I think you'd like me to use that word, to live your own heart, your own heart desires. And that's what happened. And so I ended up living in an ashram in a spiritual community for 20 years. And I learned about discipleship and we raised the kids there. And that may have been the point, one of the main points of being there. But at the time that I decided to leave, and I didn't really decide, I sort of hesitated there because it wasn't really a decision. At that same time, my wife wanted to go do other things. And so we separated and the kids were kind of grown. And I could go off and find myself again, that that empty nesting. Not only did I get rid of the chicks, but I got rid of the nest. Started all over and I started traveling the world. And just before this happened, if you want important moments, is when a, a friend had suggested that I go to an Enneagram workshop. I'd never heard of the Enneagram of Personality, 1999. I had been living in this community for 20 years. I had been a disciple of an Indian master for more than 20 years, 25 years. I'd started reading his book in the 1971, 1972, 1971. I did my first meditation in yoga at the bottom of the Grand Canyon in 1972. So I, I went to see this Enneagram workshop and that particular weekend, In hearing about the Enneagram for the first time, I felt there was a connection between astrology and the Enneagram. I had already been involved in astrology since the early 70s. I had put it on the back shelf for much of this time I was living in the community, but it was now coming to the forefront. There was Vedic astrologers in the community, and while I had a passing interest in it, it didn't really grab me yet. But this particular, on the Saturday, I remember being in this class and thinking to myself, this reminds me of astrology. So it became a life work to explore this. And uh, later that day, I remember thinking that there's a part of Vedic astrology that I want to share and having that be a very strong pull. It had never been there before. And all of a sudden, I was given a direction. And that was enough for me. It may not sound like a lot to add to somebody else, but for me, that was enough. And I ended up finding a man who knew a system on how Enneagram and astrology work together. He was a hermit. I met one of three people that knew where he was and what he could do. And he was impressed that I found that person. So for two weeks in Hawaii, he taught me what, how the system worked. And he taught me a lot more than that, but he taught me the system. And I've been exploring that ever since. And I'm now at the stage, now almost 25 years, that the book that I could envision immediately, now that book, now I'm working on that book. I mean, I've always been working on the book, but now I'm really working on it. Time has come for my voice to be heard, for my voice to speak, whether it's heard or not, is I can't say, but it's time for the voice to speak. And so I'm working on this book. Mm-hmm. And The value of it is, is that Enneagram is naturally found. Uh, Enneagram means nine-sided figure and the nine-sidedness. My teacher told me that Enneagram is older than the earth. It's a natural phenomena. Mm. The natural, the Enneagram personality, of course, is is man-made, but it's just taking this natural 
structure and putting personalities at the points. It's the archetypes of our personality. It's the two to 5,000 years of the Judeo-Christian tradition. The Enneagram of personality has the ability to unwind our personality stories. And the astrology is like an, is also natural. It's mm-hmm. the play, it's the placement of our, of our planets at birth. And while mm-hmm. there is a lot of junky ideas around astrology that are distracting and boxing in and limiting, at the core is an incredible opportunity for freedom to see ourselves in a raw form of what is what are our strengths and weaknesses. And the reading of them combined is a very deep dive into who we think we are rather than who we are. What have you found as a result of that? How far apart is who we think we are from who we are? Well, I can't measure it in miles or feet. How far apart we are is that if you're ready to get it in that Mm -hmm. amount of time. Or it's a thousand lifetimes, if that's what it takes. How Mm. far apart is immeasurable. I've been reading a lot of David Hawkins. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's he's big. You know, he's really, really big. And there are days that it's like two pages and that's enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I went up to four pages and that was too much. So now I may go back to two pages. But anyways, he says that we're we're an animal. And in this animalness, we don't have the energy within us to sustain ourselves. And so we have to go outside ourselves to get the energy, that being food and perhaps entertainment, you know, you know, something to do to keep us busy. But the idea is, is that the mind came along. The mind, you didn't have any use as a as a higher being. We didn't have to develop it, but we had we ended up developing the mind because we needed to categorize where were the animals? What was the season for the, the mushrooms or the whatever that we picked that we liked by the river? What was the time of year when those came? When was the fruit on the tree? When do we need to switch to meat and get animals? Because in the summer, they don't last very long, but in the winter, they'll last. So the mind developed in order to sustain our survival drive. I believe that, the, that this is connected to the survival drive. And he mentioned that. The mind became so good at it that it developed this whole sense of I that it then developed the ability to protect. Mm. And that's the misidentification that we need to let go of, need to see through, is that we're a separate individual that needs to use the mind in order to survive. Because right now the mind has developed this sense of I that is an illusion and it has developed a whole litany of ways to protect it which really keep us in bondage, tying us down mm-hmm. to needs, to positions that we hold on to, to beliefs that aren't really true, that we think are true. And so it's the unfolding of the story. And he said something like, and that's the spiritual path, mm-hmm. is the unwinding of this two to 5,000 years of conditioning. Yes. And it's more than just one lifetime. You know, I, I love when you use the term two to 5,000 years of conditioning, because it's all of those conditioned patterns, ancestral and past lives, and just the journey of humanity in and of itself that has been through this. And it's all part of a collective, but yet it becomes to a point very heavy, 
because we're carrying the weight of all that each and every one of us. And we have to break through and allow ourselves to move beyond it and not be so controlled by it. The physical plane is very dense and yes. this, dense, this density that it has value. And the value of it is, I like to say, is, is that you're in the spiritual realm and your mentor says to you that you, you have a, you're, you're a bit attached to jealousy, for example. And you say, I don't know what jealousy is. I'm on the asshole realm. We're all one. Everybody's connected. I don't know what you're talking about. And he says, well, okay, I got an idea. Let's put you down in a body. And let's have your mate walking away, holding the hand of your best friend. And let's see if you get it then. (laughs) That's a great example. And so that's how we get it is that it's so dense and it's so, you know, jealousy, envy, anger, insecurities, competition. They're all so dense and so ugly that the way for the essence to get through them, to get beyond them, is to feel them. That's the beauty of the the dense physical plane world is because it's so ugly. I like to say it's so obvious, even I get it, you know? (laughs) It's so dense and ugly that we can't ignore it. On the spiritual plane, you know, on a, on the, you know, you're in this festival and it's a wonderful, you're on the physical plane now, you're in a festival and everybody's joyous and it's a high experience and we've all whatever together. And it's like, you can't, you know, you can't relate to the physical plane ugliness, but when you're in it, it's it's an incredible teacher. Rather than think that I'm stuck, I just think to see it for what it is. Because the fact is, is that in the readings, I come to understand, I don't know if this is true for all teachers, but I think that for a lot of people, we teach what we're trying to learn. And so what happens is in the readings is that the clients help me to do my work by reflecting back to me, my own stuff. I refer to that as a leading learner. (laughs) And I, I have done that really my whole life and my whole career. I mean, there have been times where I have just dived right into something was like, well, I know I can do that. And because I knew instinctively that I could do it, even though I didn't have, you know, I I knew I had certain skills or background, but I'd never actually tackled something like that. So it's, Uh, Just having a knowing and trusting, trusting the universe and trusting whatever is needed within you and within the universe to come through you to do what needs to be done. And I think that for me, it's always been trusting that if you don't have that trust, if you begin to doubt, you have that fear, then that's going to stop you in in your tracks. That has stopped me in my tracks in the past, particularly when I've done speaking presentations, if I'm too much in my head, it will knock me off course and knock me out of alignment. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off course a little bit here, but I think this is a very fascinating conversation, kind of redirecting us back just a little bit. How does this work that you are doing, what you have learned as a result of it and what you are learning through your clients through the people that you work with, how has that influenced your view of the world and the universe today? Well, that's a big question. Uh, Again, how, I have no idea, but the work that I've done, how does it influence my view of the universe? You know, I kind of view that, that I'm in a lesson with the masters 
and that they're I like to think that I'm in graduate school and I'm PhD and I'm doctor of divinity. But the fact is, is that I'm just a little kid just here sitting here. And they say, here, here's your assignment for five years. Learn that you're arrogant, you know, okay. And it's a whole setup that put me in situations where I become arrogant in order to try to bring a little light into the room that it's not actually about other people, that it's actually about myself. I'm in a group now. There's been some controversy because some group members left, a spiritual group. And the question is, is what are they saying? Is what they, what the other side says, is it true or not true? And everybody's oh going with, is it true or not true? And I think, what a waste of time. Of Who course cares? it's true. <laughs> Who cares? I love that. Of course it's true. Of course it's true to a degree. <laughs> they feel it. And so it's true for them. And so the absolute, oh, it's not true. Whew, now we don't have to worry is ridiculous. They'll get there, but will they get there this week? I don't know. It's not my job. Maybe it'll take a month. Maybe it'll take a year. Maybe they'll never get there, but it doesn't really matter. And it doesn't, we don't have to hold our breath and we don't have to stop. And uh, I, uh, what you call the, this, the universe, I want, I'll call it the system. You know, it's the system. The system is, there's karma is that there, and I don't mean it negatively. It's just that there's an effect on what you do. And and so if you don't, if you're supposed to learn arrogant, that you're arrogant and you don't learn it, you'll keep getting the lesson. And and then what I have learned is, is that the lessons get bigger because we don't listen, because we don't hear it very well. Then it has to get bigger and bigger in order to get our attention. And as soon wow. as it gets our attention and we get it, and then it completely disappears and it's like, whoop, gone. You know, on my little desk, you know, I'm, my computer's on a little desk, so I'm sitting here with my divine teacher, and okay, let me take the arrogance paper away, you've been working on that for 15 years, let me put the next one down. Oh, I'm not saying we do one at a time, we don't do that, no. but I'm just putting it in a very simplistic way, because we can become so complicated, and we can make it be, you know, what's the antecedent of the precedent of the decedent and the fact is is that you're arrogant you know it's just pretty simple well we all have our filters on and we know that all those filters are really created you know in this physical plane based on all of our patterns and our conditioning from a lifetime and previous lifetimes how do we make sense of all this in terms of moving forward in this world because these are incredible times right now, this incredibly dynamic times that where there is like this, almost this pulling apart of things It's almost as if like things are going to implode. What's your perspective on that as to how we can navigate? Well, I've been waiting for it for 50 years to fall apart. I don't think you're this old, but I remember in 73, they rushed to buy gold and silver. I still got it from 1973. The world is going to collapse. The economy is going to collapse. I've been waiting for that for 50 years. You know, you're in the world, but not of it. Uh, the, the thing is, is that let it collapse, that uh, it doesn't have to do anything for me. And how I make sense of it is, is I let go of all need for sense. And then it makes sense that it's just a divine. It's just working out in a, in a, it's a divine plan. I don't know what the plan is, 
but we need something. So this is as good a plan as any. And two sides, and there's probably more than two sides, but two sides are very, you, you have to be impressed that they both feel that they have the truth. And so that's sort of a, an interesting situation. That they, they both feel it very clearly mm-hmm. that, that they're God's truth. And if you read history, this has been going on for, a, I remember reading books about crusades and how the Christian church said, yo, get those heathens over there, yes. you know, let's go crusade them, you know, uh, one of the bloodiest wars ever in the world put on by the Catholic church. So figure that out, you know, yeah. what does that make sense of anything? And so how I make sense of it is, is I stop trying to make any sense of it. It's not my game. It's a worldly game and mm-hmm. it's and it's maybe not supposed to make sense that it has a purpose and I can make up what the purpose might be, but I have no idea and I don't need to know. And right. and I make my life around that by not knowing I'm not feeling any lack. Well, and I think it all starts with each of us individually. And there's something that I had read on your website that kind of refers to everything that you have learned. There's just so many opportunities and potentialities uh, and there's so much beauty in this world that what we eventually we need to evolve and grow into a way of and you use this term having a seat at every position on the table and when we have a, a seat at every position on the table we will see everyone's perspective and that will make us whole because we've been at every seat on the table yes that makes us so i don't know where that is in my website it sounds very interesting (laughs) Uh, and i agree with it and it's very well put yeah we already are i mean yes we are all the seats on the table we've been the father we've been the mother we've been the child we've been the accuser we have been the accused why am i going to get bent out of shape? Why am I going to get up angry and upset? Because things are the way that they are. This is, yeah. if something is divine, then everything is divine. And so that's what opened up for me. You asked me about the youth. There was another moment I remember in my youth when I realized that when you walk into a room, that you felt energy that was more than in the room, that there was a feeling that was bigger than the room. And once I realized that, I had to assume that all the the opening the Pandora's box that all the possibilities exist once once you get the idea that there's more than what you could see then the possibilities for there being astral realms unlimited are you know infinite infinite the possibilities are infinite that everything is up for grabs that it's all true on whatever level I remember a time somebody had told me that some some people we knew had started a community and somebody had told me that they were given the land and somebody told me they bought the land. And so when I went to visit this place, I asked to find out what the truth was. An interesting situation. They were both true, that some land they had been given and some land they bought. And it didn't occur to me that they could both be true, that I wanted to think of it in terms of a black and white duality, that it was either right or that one of them was right or wrong. But the fact was they were both true, that they had some land that was given to them, some land that they bought. And I thought, ah, you know, here's 
a deep truth that I just learned. I'm I'm just getting here on my retreat, but I've already learned something. Mm. Where do we go from here? (laughs) We've gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole, which is great because we're talking about some fascinating stuff that I think a lot of people think about these days, but they don't really know how to put it in perspective. They don't know how to put this world or, or their experiences in perspective because they're so caught up in their own conditioning and in this I, this body. So let's kind of go back to, I think, some of the work that you're doing with blending astrology with Enneagram and how that creates a level of understanding for the people that you're working with and how they move forward and live their life. Well, you know, I start the reading by telling them that we're going to talk about personality, but we're not talking to the personality. We're talking from essence to essence, from our higher self to our higher self. And I can go really deep into their situation without it being judgmental, because it's not accusing. It's just simply fact-finding to let them know what's going on in order for them to then be objective about it in order to let go. And so at the end, people would say, well, this is great information, Indra. Now, what do I do with it? I think that's what you're saying. What came to me is the four doorways of conscious living. That's a curious phrase. Let's talk about that. Well, the four doorways of conscious living. So the first doorway is you have to learn to observe. And so the the idea of the reading is to help us to learn to observe is to get into the witness position, is to get out of the movie of our life off the screen and to get into the audience and to watch ourselves. Then to let go and release what doesn't serve you, that's the second doorway. And letting go involves being aware of a feeling, letting it come up, staying with it, and letting it run its course without wanting to make it different or do anything about it. It means simply to let the feeling be there and to focus on letting out the energy behind it when letting go, ignore all thoughts. And this is from a book called Letting Go by David Hawkins, the same man I was just talking about. Third doorway is to love yourself. And then the fourth doorway is to live in the moment. And so if you're in the moment, you will love yourself. If you're not loving yourself, you're not in the moment. So how do I love myself? You let go and release what doesn't serve. And we spend 95% of our time here. So how do I know what to let go and release? Well, we learn to observe. And so what I'm doing in the reading is opening them up to observe, to give them from these indicators, the strengths and weaknesses of your chart based on astrology, the core triggers based on your Enneagram, and then the deficiencies, the blind spots based on the Wheel of Totality, which is the third modality in, in my life reading in order to give them some perspective, three different ways, three different perspectives, three different modalities that quite often are saying the same thing. And so the idea is to get them to then observe in order to then to be able to to let go and release what doesn't serve them. And it can be that certain things that you do, they serve you, you know, like some of our bad habits, they serve us right now. And so we're not ready to let go of them. So that's fine. But what you are ready to let go of, when we let go of them, then we are then able to love ourselves and to live in the moment. And that's the goal. That's beautiful. And how many people achieve that goal? Well, in Hawkins' system of of the levels of consciousness, he says there are only 12 people on earth over 700 at any one time. So there are more, you know, there's like 
one one millionth of them at 500. So there's not very many, but I would say that everybody achieves it at whatever level they can. That, that it may not be the last step that they take, but it may be the next step. That's all that I can ask for. It's not my job to do the work for them. My job is to speak my truth. That's my job. And whether they listen or not isn't my concern either. I mean, yes, of course, I feel a pang when people don't listen and you know that they could do more, that you want better for them. That's okay. But I've learned to let go of that because that's just my own story running. And so the thing is, is that I'm not in charge of anything. And so all I can do is they come see me. I believe that they're sent to me. I put it out there. I mean, more in other years than right now. Now I don't really do too much advertising. I speak on Facebook a little bit and then I get some people that way. But people seem to hear and they come when they're when the time is right. You can't push them upstream if they're not ready. It isn't me doing anything. It's natural energies that magnetize them when they're in the vicinity and they're ready to hear it. Well, obviously, if they're coming to you, they're ready for something. And it really, you know, where they're at and how much they're able to take in at that given moment after you have done the work gives them that opportunity to choose and feel what they can resonate with at that given time. And it could be an unfoldment process over time that they can go back to it and even more will come to them. And they could even go back to you to get more insight into it when they are ready. Absolutely. And I tell people that if they listen to the recording in a week, they'll hear things they didn't hear and in a month and in a year and in five years. And that's okay, whatever they're ready. And if they never listen to it again, I have germinated, I presented seeds, maybe they've germinated, I presented seeds, maybe germinated seeds that will grow. They can't, they're not the same. Whether they choose to ignore what I've told them or not, the fact is, is that they can't go back to being completely unawares of it. You know, they can try and it may be almost the same. But the thing is, is that they're, we're both changed. What comes of it? I don't know. You know, that's sometimes it's part of the frustration is that you never really know. I had a lady, I don't know, maybe six months ago, write me and say, I had a reading with you three or four years ago, and I didn't really understand what you told me. But what you told me seems to be true. So I'd like to hear, can you send me the recording? So I sent her the recording, and then I never heard anything. But at least I got the fact that she was starting to realize that what I had told her had some validity. And isn't that beautiful? That uh, I don't want to make beautiful that they hear you today any more beautiful than they hear you tomorrow or they never hear you. Because why? Because in my, in my spiritual unfoldment, then I have expectations. And every time I have expectations, then I have pain. And so I've learned to let go of all of that. I have no need for anything, you know, and, and we have a very simple life. You know, we find a strawberry in the greenhouse and one of our plants in the greenhouse. And it's just, it's like, it's like we won the lottery because we've already won the lottery because we can have a plant in the greenhouse and we don't have to go anywhere. We're just right here enjoying and just unfolding, you know, ourselves every day, watching the pool get warmer, you know, and the sun gets warmer with the, with the solar heating in it. And it, 
warmer every day and just and just enjoying the blessing of that moment of uh, sitting on a chair and being in the pool or not being in the pool it doesn't matter anymore that's right taking 50 years to get to well it takes time it takes time to truly be in the moment given what all the crap that and the beautiful stuff that's going on in this world i mean there's a lot of beautiful things that attract our attention before we wrap up, I would like for you to share a little bit more about your book and what you hope to impart to the world with your book. Give us a little bit more information on that. Well, I have a lot of them. This particular one, I call the the system that I, yeah, I didn't even like to say I developed, that I was given and then I have learned from. I call it the Celestial Enneagram. The fact is, it's not ready for the mainstream. What I mean by that is the information, not the book. I mean, the mainstream could be hundreds of years away still. So if I do get compulsive about anything, I feel like I want to leave that. I want to leave those breadcrumbs. And if it's only for me, is that I'd like to save myself some time. So if I write what I know now, then maybe I'll find, like I found my teacher, maybe I'll find, if I come back to earth and I want this information again, then maybe I can find my book and I can teach it. I can, I can learn it from myself. Isn't that sort of a, a divine joke? And if other people get it, that's even great too. So the, the book is a download. It's not really my work. And uh, every day I get downloads of little, little things. And it's a very interesting process. I've been writing, you know, 10, 12 years, and it wasn't my thing at all. And I've learned to, I've, I've really enjoyed, almost laughed at the processes is that you're going to start the new chapter and you write up what you know, and then you, and then I go outside and then, you know, this little bit comes and this little bit comes and this little bit comes. And I was writing the first chapter and I thought to include the, a particular story. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's a great story. Let me start with that. It, it came loud and clear beforehand. So I put down that idea. And then as I get into writing, and then I realize, oh, there's another story that relates to that. And there's another story, another story. And then all of a sudden, I had this whole incredible discussion in the book that I had that the conscious mind would never have come up with. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize the point of bringing those points together. And I don't want to go through the specifics of it. It doesn't matter. But uh, that, the, that the whole thing wrote itself, that this is what the divine wanted me to, to write. That's the way I look at it. And so that's what I'm doing. And, and that's plenty for me. If I never get on another plane, I've spent only one winter in the U.S. since 98, plus these COVID winters. And if I never get on another plane right now, that's fine. I don't care. It doesn't really matter. And I hardly go to town. And I was traveling all the time. Well, this is what you need where you're at today. Or maybe it's not need. This is what it is. And you're right. happy with it. You're satisfied. You're fulfilled. You don't need anything more than that because you, you don't have any expectations or attachment to anything. And you've been there and done all this other stuff, you know? So do you really need that anymore? You really are just being in the moment. If I need it, then I'll do it. You're right, I don't need it, but the idea is, is that it's the lack of attachment to the positions, to any position that allows me to be so happy with a very simple life. I love that, a very simple life. Where can people find out more about you, Indra? I have a website, indrarinsler.com. It's all one word. 
if you want to write into Rensler at gmail.com, I'm very open. I like to give your readers, there's two offerings. If you'd like to learn about the Enneagram, I have a simple test that I pass out. It's five or 10 minutes. It's free. If you write me and ask for the test, I'll send it to you. And I also offer people their Vedic astrology charge, the sidereal time. So if you want that, it's not a reading. I may make a few comments and I will send you some information on, on how to read the chart, uh, how to understand not the meanings of the chart, but at least how to read it. So that's free. I do need three pieces of information. I need your, your birth date, your birth time, and your birthplace. So send that to me at mygmail.com and I'll send you the chart back uh, within a day or two. Sounds great. That's a wonderful offering for both of those. Any parting comments, words of wisdom that you'd like to share before we wrap things up? Power parting comments. Well, you asked about the COVID world in this modern world. I don't really know what's going on, you know, but I do know it's a divine plan. And I know that great forces are at work. I've been watching it going on for a long, long time. And I don't come to it from all of a sudden it's intense. I've been waiting for this for 50 years. I, again, I don't know how old you are, but I remember 68 being in a terrible year and the, and the riots in the streets, the summer riots and the assassinations and the p political in Chicago with the Democratic Convention and all the stuff going on there. This, this was like 2020 without the COVID, the health stuff going on. And, uh, and I'm not saying that that isn't important and affected a lot of people. But the point is, is that there's something great going on and I don't know what it is and it doesn't really matter to me. What matters to me is this moment right here, right now. And so just do what's in front of you moment to moment. You're not going to get to where you want to be at the end of your life, you're not going to get there tomorrow, but the tomorrows add up. And so you do what's in front of you and it will take you to your next thing, which will take you to your next thing, which will take you to your next thing. And some of them will be really easy and really joyful. And some of them will be hell on earth and it's all divine. And so it's all really an amazing blessing. Well, thank you for that. That is beautiful insight and parting comments, particularly for what we're all dealing with in this world. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of repeating patterns throughout history. But again, I mean, every repeating pattern, wherever we're at and what lifetime we're in, it's incredibly challenging for all of us. So it's all relative. I didn't want to mean to interrupt, but I was just thinking that uh, based on what you just said, how these recurring patterns, how frustrating must they be for God to have to keep creating these reoccurring patterns because we don't get it. So yeah. if you're going to have compassion, put them on your list too. Or, <laughs> that sounds or great. It. <laughs> well, I'll be sure to include all the information that you just shared around reaching you and your free offers in our show notes. So all that will be there and even your social channels so that people can connect with you. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a fascinating conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. And I want to thank all of you out there, heart-centered souls. Thank you for joining us today. This has been an amazing ride and I love each and every one of you. And I just want to thank you for being here. And again, keep your heart rising up. Bye for now. 
We hope today's show helped to bring a bit more joy and happiness into your heart. We hope it inspired you to unleash your inner power and rise up to your best and loving heart-centered highest self. We'd be grateful if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are important to spreading this valuable message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and share the show with others. Visit heartsriseup.com for heart-centered courses, guided meditations, and our popular notes from your higher self. Until next time, keep rising up and may all that you love thrive.